All right, well, let's uh, open in a word of prayer, and we'll get started with our study this evening. Father, we come tonight, Lord, we, um, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together to, um, Father, to study together, to, um, to see what your word has to say, to see what these um, Lord, learned and knowledgeable men and faithful men have, have written and uh, Father to, to glean from it and so Lord we're very thankful for all of the opportunities and, uh, that, that you give us to be able to do that uh, Father we do come tonight and we pray for Dixon as, as he's Back in the hospital, we pray that you would, um, Father, help the uh, those caring for him to to have wisdom and discernment to know how to, to best treat, and, and Father, that um, you would restore him uh, to health quickly. Um, Lord, we um, Lord, pray tonight for Jacob as he continues on uh, hiking the trail. We pray that you would keep him safe, um, Father, as he as he does. And so, Father, we um, pray for tonight, we think of Bethany's grandparents and the, the idea of, of going to uh, memory care and then uh, Lord, trying to work through all the logistics of everything and, and understanding um, changes in life and Father, we just pray that you would be with, with her grandparents, uh, Father, through this. As, um, they work through it uh, emotionally. and um, Father, there's so many ways that just pray that you, by your spirit, you would minister to them through this. Uh, Father, so we, uh, again, we, we thank you for tonight. We pray that you would teach us. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. So tonight, we uh, return once again to our study of living zealously. Um, we've looked kind of previously at, we, we looked at a definition of what Christian zeal is, what that means. Uh, we've looked at where we, we tend to lack Christian zeal in our lives. Um, we've looked at the, the different characteristics uh, of, of Christian zeal, marks of it, and, um, and you kind of know how to know if we have it or not. How does it, how does it show forth in our, our lives? Um, and so tonight we're going to continue in this study and we're going to look at the necessity and motives of Christian zeal. Um, so necessity and and motives, and it's quite a bit of of information here, and uh, we're going to work through it as best we can, and um, several different points on, on each one of these. But um, I thought it was very, very helpful, very informative as I was reading and studying through it. So we're going to start with necessity. So. 
In other words, um, why is it necessary that a believer possess the zeal that we're talking about, that we're describing in this study? Um, and so we're going to look at tonight seven points or, or seven reasons why having this Christian zeal or this passion for the Christian life that we're talking about is necessary for believers. And so the first one we're going to look at is uh, zeal is necessary in the Christian life um, because of just, just the sheer nature of Christian zeal. So um, Thomas Adams, he wrote this, A soul without zeal doth as hard to live as a body without a liver. So we may say of zeal, it is the very cistern whence all other graces issue forth into our lives. In the soul, other graces as faith, hope, charity, repentance did first rather breed zeal, but zeal being once enkindled doth minister nutrimental heat to all these and is indeed the best sacrifice that we can offer to God. So in other words, things like hope and faith and love and these kind of things in our lives are enlivened, they're, they're enriched, they're, they're nourished by zeal and passion. Um, Christian zeal is, is that, um, it, it leads us on in our lives to greater grace, to greater faith, to greater love. It's necessary in the fact that, that that's the function of it. It, it, it. it enlivens and it grows and it inflames all the other areas of our Christian lives. Secondly, zeal is necessary because God commands it. God commands it. Um, we see this even if we go and look at the first four of the Ten Commandments in the law. Um, how in the world are we going to follow these four commands Day after day after day, time after time, unless there is this holy passion in us. There's this deep desire in us. We're set aflame inside of us to, to obey these to the glory of God. It's got to be there. Um, George Swinnock wrote this. When we deal with our equals, with them that stand upon the same level with us, we may deal as men. But in things that appertain to God, we must give double weight, double measure, double care, double diligence. Though men be slothful and sluggish in service to men, yet we must be fiery and fervent in spirit when they are serving the Lord. Um, this idea that um, God indeed commands zeal in the Christian life. Third reason is because of the very nature of Christianity. Um, the authors in this book would, would make uh, the case that Christianity without zeal um, is hard to say it's really Christianity at all. Um, Christianity without zeal, it's like those in 2 Timothy, where he writes, they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. Um, 
I thought this was a great illustration. The, the authors of the book wrote this. Without zeal, our Christianity is lifeless and cold. It is no more real than show and no warmer than a painted image of a fire. No warmer than the painted image of a fire. Um, as a matter of fact, we read that, that zeal is necessary for the Christian life in uh, verses we've looked at kind of time and again in Revelation 3 in the church at Laodicea. I know your works. You are neither hot, neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Fourth, zeal is necessary in the Christian life due to our, our past and our present estate. And, and so here's what we mean by that. Um, in, Paul writes in Romans 6, he writes, For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So as zealous as we once were for sin and impurity and lawlessness, we are now to be that zealous for righteousness and for sanctification, for growing in in holiness and godliness and purity in our lives. The book says we are to be as devoted to God now as we were formerly devoted to ourselves when we were lost and without Christ. So our current zeal to, for, for obedience to the Lord must be equal to or greater than, than our zeal once was for sin. Zeal is, is necessary in the Christian life, number five, because of our enemy. 1 Peter 5 tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So how can we oppose an enemy like that? How can we, we stand against that? I mean, if we're lethargic, if we're apathetic to, to the things of the Christian life, we must have a, a, this passionate love and desire for Christ and the things of Christ if we're going to stand any chance of, of facing and defeating such an enemy as, as this. It has to be there. We also see uh, zeal is, is necessary because of the wicked state of mankind. Uh, we must be as zealous in, in the profession of the truth and living out of the gospel and sharing of the gospel as those that are lost are zealous in opposing it. Um, and so we see examples of this in Scripture. We see uh, Caleb in the, in the book of Numbers when the people went to, to spy out the land. And the Lord said, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. So he was different. He was zealous to be obedient to the Lord. We, we see an example of it in, uh, of David in Psalm 132. Um, this when he was seeking to build the temple for the Lord and and he said, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. 
We see an example in Daniel, um, who um, he opposed the law that, that no other God but the king be worshipped for, for 30 days. And it says that when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Um, it, in the book of Acts, we see Paul says this, I don't account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish the course, my course and, and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It, it, zeal in the lives of these, these men we read about in Scripture. In the book of Hebrews, um, in chapter 12, it talks about those of whom the world was not worthy. With great zeal, they, they lived their lives in the face of, of the wicked and the evil that was around them. The last reason we'll look at tonight that, that zeal is necessary in the Christian life um, is that we have, must have it um, in our quest for salvation in the kingdom of God. And so, um, looking at this, Jesus said uh, in Luke, it, it says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. So notice the word there, strive. To, to fight or to struggle or to strain. Right? To, to give every bit of energy that, that you have fighting to enter through this narrow gate. It requires zeal. Um, Christopher Love, he, he wrote this, You can never get to heaven unless you strive to enter at the straight gate. You must strive till you sweat. You must strive with all your might. Take heed, therefore, you do not think it is an easy thing to go to heaven. Um, and, and the authors here conclude this section of the book on this necessity of, of Christian zeal with this statement. See, zeal is not something that may, be, may or may not be had. It is the Godward fervency of spirit that is the principal mark of a Christian. Without it, we are cold or lukewarm, neither of which God will own. Again, citing Jesus' words to the Laodiceans. And so there's, there's no such thing here as a lukewarm Christian. The passionate, zealous believers who seek more and more each day to give everything they have to the Lord. Um, here you can see, they even say it's a principal mark. It's a, this fundamental attribute of a Christian, of having this, this passion of pursuing Christ. Um, so we've, we've seen some of the reasons why Scripture talks about it being necessary. Um, we also want to look at some of the motives of Christian. Why, why have this? Why have this drive and, and this passion for Christ? There's a few things here. First of all, we should be motivated by Christ's purchase. Christ's purchase. Titus 2 tells us that our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. 
So it's, it's kind of the, this is the way the, the being a believer works. To, to be saved is to be, to be filled with this Christian zeal unto good works. Thomas Manton wrote this. Those that live at a low rate of holiness cross and disgrace the whole design of the gospel. In other words, those who, who claim to be believers and aren't growing in this, this passion, in this zeal for Christ. Um, he, he's saying here it's an offense. It's, it's disgrace to the power of the gospel. Authors of the book, uh, they write this. Do you expect a just return upon your earthly investments? A just recompense for your earthly labor? A just recognition for your workmanship? These cost you only sweat and hard work while Christ's investment in your salvation. His labors to secure your holiness, his work to purchase your zeal, cost him his body and blood. How much more must he expect you to be zealous for him? So we should be motivated by what Christ has done by his purchase. Second of all, should be motivated by the example of our Lord. Um, we see this, this zeal in Christ. We see that he, he sought the will of the Father. He taught the teachings of, that the Father gave him to teach. He did the works that the Father gave him to do. And, and we should follow this Example, we see in John 2 that um, the disciples, they realized that the, the verse in Psalms that says, zeal for my father's house consumes me, was fulfilled in Jesus. So we see that Christ was aflame with love for souls, aflame with hatred for sin, aflame with compassion for the hurting, aflame with grief for the obstinate, aflame with love for his sheep, and aflame with delight for the father's will. Where then is your zeal? Thirdly, we should be motivated by people who are zealous in the ways of sin lest they serve Satan better than we serve God. And so we read, Do sinners rush into wickedness faster than you rush into duty? Do they suffer more pain and pay a greater price for what they want than you're willing to do for God? They work for a hard master, earning bitter wages here and everlasting damnation hereafter. Yet they will not be put off their course. But you labor for a tender master whose yoke is easy, giving you joy and peace here and everlasting pleasures hereafter. Where then is your zeal? Fourth, we should be motivated by the passing of time. Paul writes in Ephesians, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Time is that one commodity we can't get any more of. Um, days are growing short for the, the return of the Lord, and therefore we should be zealous in His work for His glory. Fifth, we should be motivated by the enemy of our faith who is so zealous against us. Again, Christopher Love wrote 
this? Shall we not be as violent or be as passionate or zealous to save our souls as the devil is to damn them? And Thomas Manton gave this illustration. Birds are seldom taken in their flight, but when they rest and pitch. So Satan has no advantage against us when we are upon our course and wing, when we make speed to heaven and are zealous and earnest in our flight. Um, the idea that, that we are to be zealous uh, for him against our enemy. Next, we should be motivated to Christian zeal because we know that the duties to which the Lord calls us require more than we can do in our own strength. So we, we know um, that in granting us zeal, God gives us strength and endurance beyond ourselves so that we may do what is required of us. Number seven, we should be motivated by the great danger of coldness. Um, Manton, again, he, he wrote this, not to go forward is to go backward. Standing pools corrupt. As a man that rows against the tide and stream, if he does not ply the oar, he will lose ground and be carried away apace. So if we be not zealous, we cannot stand and keep our ground. It's very great danger of, of growing cold without steel. Number eight, we should realize, we should be motivated by this realization that, that there cannot, that there can never be too much zeal. And so we read this again. Who among us can say that they have done enough for God? They put off enough sin and embraced enough duty. Who can say they've loved God and their neighbors to the extent demanded in the law? We can't properly, when we have proper zeal, um, we cannot be too zealous. And lastly, we should be motivated towards Christian zeal by realizing how repugnant a lukewarm spirit is to God. You do not worship the vanities of the Gentiles. Therefore, be not dead cold and careless. You worship the living God and he will be served with life, zeal, and strength of affection. Again, the the necessities of zeal and the motives for zeal. Um, I know it's it's been a lot of of information. We went through it it quickly. But I hope that it has given you something to, to think through and to ponder and to discuss with your family, to discuss with friends, to discuss with fellow believers um, at lunch or, or some other time, um, to be able to see the necessity for and the reasons why we should be so zealous, so passionate for Christ and for his glory. So let's pray. Father, we, uh, again, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this opportunity. We do pray, Father, that you would use what we've heard to, um, Father, cause us to reflect.
calls us to meditate. Um, it calls us to think deeply on these things, to, to examine ourselves, Father. May we, uh, may we seek to honor and to glorify you in all we do. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.